What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. This episode of the Wedgecast, I am hanging out with Rhonda Merchant. She's the director of talent acquisition for Main Event Entertainment. She has written some amazing blog posts about talent, talent engagement, how do you attract top talent, and also how do you keep top talent. So I've just had an absolute blast getting to know her through the, the past couple months. She's a leader. She has been a pretty high up executive for some pretty amazing companies through the course of her career. And she just has a lot to offer in that space. But one of the things I like the most about her is she's very practical and down to earth. She knows how to actually engage in people, even being a high up executive and really, really knows how to look people in the eye and really make sure that they feel valued. And I think that's one of the reasons why the organizations she worked with find a way to keep some amazing talent. So we were stoked to have her on the show. She's a leader and she's stepping on doing some big, big things in the talent acquisition space. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are excited uh, for this episode. We are hanging out with uh, Rhonda Merchant, who is a director of talent acquisition. She's an absolute stud when it comes to uh, director of talent acquisition, talent acquisition space, HR. She just understands the space like crazy. So we're so excited to have her on the show. And uh, Rhonda, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. So... All right, let's uh, let's get the important stuff, you know, right out in front. So tell us about your story. You have, you know, obviously the conversations we've had, we had the intro from Jim D'Amico, and you have quite a background in talent acquisition in a lot of different roles. So can you just tell us about that pathway and what that what that's looked like in your in your career so far? Absolutely. So it's actually quite funny. Um, I did not intend or think that I was going to end up in talent acquisition, when um, I was in college, I actually majored in marketing and um, I was 
ready to go down the path of brand marketing and just completely different <laughs> type of career. And once I graduated, as I'm looking at different companies and really trying to figure out what's a good fit for me, um, I reached out to a couple of agencies just to get their assistance with my job search. And one of the recruiters, after working with me for you know a few weeks or so, she said, well, have you ever thought about recruiting? And I hadn't. That's not anything that had ever even crossed my mind. And so, um, you know, I was like, oh, no, what is that? What, what does a recruiter do? And she just, you know, kind of laid it out and said, it's exactly how I've been working with you. You meet great people and it's really about finding the right fit for the right person as well as the right company. So um, she then set me up with a couple of interviews in that space. And, you know, almost 20 years later, I'm still here today. I've loved every minute of it. I started out um, as a coordinator, which was great because I was able to really just learn from the ground up. And I was so fortunate to have been trained and mentored by very seasoned recruiters who had very strong agency backgrounds and just who knew their stuff. And they just poured all of that into me. Um, so that's kind of how I got here, not intentionally, but um, it's been a it's been a great career choice. Yeah, that's awesome. So started in sort of the marketing, personal branding, uh, got your feet wet with recruiting, and then twenty years later, you've stuck in the space. So on the on the initial taste for marketing and branding, how has that played a role in? your recruiting space? Because I, I know obviously in the conversations we've had, that's really important to you, both your personal brand, how you guys brand your company um, and the different companies you've worked for. So how has that sort of taste for the personal marketing brand, maybe your own interest uh, played a role in the recruiting space? That's a great question. Um, it's played a huge role for me. I realized because that is my passion and it's an area where you know I, I've always looked at commercials or looked at different things and tried to analyze it from a marketer perspective. Um, earlier in my career, I would say that I really didn't use that that muscle just because recruiting was a lot different. It was really, you know, posting and praying and you're, you're just waiting on candidates to either see your ad in the newspaper or sort of like the, the spray and pray model and see what comes. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah. It actually <laughs> Then it actually worked. And now the entire space of TA and recruiting has evolved and it's really about appealing to the candidate as much as you're appealing to the consumer. And so because I have that background in marketing and I studied marketing, that has really helped me um, at this stage in recruiting because I, I get it and I understand the importance of making sure that that message also is a message that the candidate can understand as well as the consumer. Yeah, that's a pretty unique way of approaching it. I mean, obviously, it's like your major focus is acquiring the best talent, but a lot, so much of that has to do with the fact of like, how do you position the company so that it's an attractive thing for candidates to come to or an attractive offer to make? So that's, I think that's awesome, the connection that you have there. Um, I, I, so you are, you, you touched on this a little bit, and I, I think you're the perfect person to go down this path with. So talk me through the change of what, recruiting and talent acquisition looked like 20 years ago, maybe what it looked like 10 years ago, and then what's changed in the last six months? I know that's obviously 20 years of a lot of lessons learned all boiled into one, but can you, can you walk us through the 20 year, 10 year and what, what six months, you know, what the last six months look like? Absolutely. So 20 years ago, it really was post pray, you know, invest in all the major job boards, 
invest in newspaper ads, just get the word out. And it was really about the work itself and the benefits that working at XYZ company could bring to a candidate. I would say 10 years ago that shifted a little bit because social media became more popular. Um, not where it is today, obviously, but it was a different avenue to get the word out. And although the job boards were still very popular, they were being used differently. So that 10 years ago is probably the first real shift in the way we had to think when we're acquiring talent. Now it's obviously, you know, it's heavy social. It's spreading the culture. One of the major differences I've seen over the last 10 and 20 years is that people now work for a culture, not just a company. So you can have the best job description. You can be everywhere posting the job. But if you're not mixing in the culture of the organization, you're just not going to get the right candidates that you're seeking. Do you feel like that's a big sell of like a company of like, okay, obviously you can put together these you know, sexy job descriptions, but people don't spend a lot of time once they sort of get past that. Do you think the biggest sell is from a company standpoint, how do you sell the culture of your organization? Absolutely. When tools and sites like Glassdoor came into play, that changed everything because now you can, you don't have to know someone that works for that company to get a reference or to better understand what the company's about. You can go to Glassdoor, you can go to the Indeed reviews. There are so many sites now where candidates can be educated, just like consumers can be. So if you see a constant trend of poor reviews, just like, you know, if you see that at Yelp, you're probably going to avoid that restaurant. It's yeah. not much when it comes to companies. And so um, I think the companies that are doing the things they need to do to bring in the right people understand that. And they're focused on making sure that it's a, a attractive culture. Yeah. So that's a great segue again into the next question I wanted to ask you was, how have you done that successfully? And I guess what were maybe a few speed bumps or road roadblocks, speed bumps uh, that you learned along the way that helped you kind of create that attractive culture to work for? Because in past conversations, what uh, you've shared with me is you guys have done a really, really, really good job at hiring in mass quantities and really selective roles too. And so that's pretty unique. And so what have you done well? And also what have you learned along the way? Absolutely. So yes, where I am today, it's a lot different than where I've been in the past. Um, I have worked for organizations that just hadn't quite put that together, that didn't understand the investment in um, the culture piece of it or the investment in the tools to help us get the word out about the culture. Great cultures, but if people don't know, it's as if you have a negative culture, right? That's kind of the assumption. If I don't know that it's good, I'm going to assume that it's not good. So um, I've been really fortunate that um, coming into my current role, I had a leader who understood that and was as passionate about it as I was. And because I had this leader, we were able to get together and convince the other senior leaders that although it's not, it is an investment, it's not an investment that we may see come to fruition. You really can't put a dollar amount on it, but we do need to go down the path of investing in the social media channels, investing in the sites where people go to for reviews, like a glass door, and actually asking our people for reviews. I think um, 
it's funny because a lot of leaders are skeptical to ask employees, hey, go out there and leave a review. Well, that's the authenticity that you have to have in order for candidates to understand what your culture looks like. So we did that. We launched a huge campaign where we reached out to all of our hourly team members, our salary team members, all the way through leadership and said, please go out, leave a review. Um, we ran a couple contests and, you know, it's anonymous, but we ran contests for those um, individuals that left reviews because some are going to be great. Some are going to be average and some aren't going to be that great. But again, it's showing an authentic view of the culture at the company. So um, those type of tactics really helped as well as just investing in social media. So obviously, um, one of the things that you, you've talked about is how important um, it is to brand your company, brand your culture, and have that sort of be out in the open. So in all your different organizations in the last 20 years, how have you uh, had a created a positive culture and a positive brand of your company's culture? And how have you put that out in the open so people know about it? Well, a couple things come to mind with that. Um, first, it's making sure the nice thing about culture, um, it's, it's a company thing. And everyone in the organization kind of owns making sure that the culture is reflective of the company. But being a part of HR, uh, for most of my TA career, I've actually sat under the HR umbrella. And HR is kind of the de facto department within most companies that take a stronger presence within culture. So the nice thing about that is that I'm able to partner internally within the function that I sit in to make sure that there are things that we're doing that appeal right to our candidates and to our employees. And so once you have that foundation and you are doing those things and you put things in place, company appreciation days or, um, you know, happy hours, just different things or different number of things that you can do to help with culture. Then it's about taking those stories because they already exist and just making sure that they're visible to people outside of your of your company. And so what I've been able to do is um, invest in our different tools. A lot of the tools we already have in our arsenal as talent acquisition professionals, but use those tools to get the word out about why you would want to work for this organization. Specifically at Main Event, um, one of the big projects that I just wrapped up was around um, our employment branding. And we went out into our actual centers and we met with different individuals in different um, key hourly positions as well as managers. And we filmed them. We sat down, we had um, conversations with them, asked them questions about what they love about working at main event, the guests and the different stories that they have. And then we filmed them actually doing their roles. So it's kind of a preview of a day in the life and you can find all of those on our website connected to the job description. So that's just another way that we um, wanted to make sure that we got the word out of what this culture is like and why this would be a place that if this culture suits you, you would want to work. Yeah, I love that. So I guess the uh, one more question on, on that route is what advice would you have for a uh, maybe a director of talent acquisition who stumbles upon a company um, that doesn't necessarily have a, a, a great culture yet? So how, how would you recommend them going about their job and just saying, okay, we're in this role. I'm going to see this company through. I want to help grow this company, but understand how important culture is. How do you begin to fix in a positive way some of the direction of how that goes? 
That's a great question. I've experienced that before. And it's really hard to sit in this seat and sell a company that doesn't have a great culture because yeah. ask that. You know, that's like one of the first questions candidates will ask you. Um, and it is hard to um, kind of go down a path when it's not genuine. So for me, when I have found myself in those situations, I have just made sure that I've reached out to the leaders, to the various people within the organization, just to better understand why we are where we are today. And from those conversations and really digging deep to get that understanding, okay, what are some of the things that we can do to start making those changes? If it's silos within the organization, which is you know unfortunately a common thing, then it's having those meetings with different departments and bringing them in on the things that we're working on. The nice thing is that um, from my seat, it's pretty influential because, you know, you, you go back, you collect your data and you say, well, here's why we're losing people. One, here's what the exit interviews are telling us. And it may stem back down to culture. Here's what I'm hearing externally from people that are either declining our offers or not interested in speaking with us. And you can't really deny the facts. So, that helps to kind of paint the picture that, okay, if our goal is to win and our goal is to hire the best of the best, here's just some low-hanging fruit that we're going to have to concentrate on. And so I've, just in my career, that's been beneficial. It's getting to understand the why, and then it's figuring out what analytics can be shown that can help persuade leadership that some changes need to take place. So that's, uh, I got to be honest, that's some of the most practical advice I've seen is like, gather the facts, uh, don't get emotional about them. They are what they are. We got to adjust accordingly. Either we're doing things right or we're doing things wrong. We have to understand that and move forward with it. And so I think that's, especially in, in, in uh, talent acquisition, I think that's absolutely practical and amazing. Um, you, uh, so you, you already asked, you, you, you talked about and brought up uh, kind of what's, what's the why here. You should be a host yourself because you're amazing at segueing conversations already. You're guiding, you're guiding this whole thing really well. So um, for transitioning into you know, who, who you are as a person and what gets you fired up, and obviously throughout the course of your career, you have done that in talent acquisition and recruiting and bringing people into great places. I'm sure you've got some phenomenal stories about that. But what, what is it for you? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that gets you fired up, both in a working context and a personal context? And, and how does that you know, how do you move forward with that? Sure. So a lot of it for me is just the nature of who I am. I get bored <laughs> rather quickly. Um, I'm a Sagittarius. I don't know if you know much about Zodiac signs, but um, I love being active. I love adventure and I love tackling like big things, whether it's something, you know, at home personally or if it's at work. Like if you put me in a situation where it's all nice and tidy with the bow on top and you hand me this and you say, hey, just keep it nice and tidy and keep the bow on top. It's not going to really work out for me because I, I kind of like a mess. I like to come into situations that um, need someone to change something about it. So that's really what gets me fired up in the morning. Um, some of the best environments that I've ever worked in Either there was, I walked into a mess and it was clear, you know, like, okay, here is your mess to fix. Or they didn't even realize that there were some things that could be fixed and enhanced. 
And just because by nature, I'm that person that's going to go explore and dig and uncover, you know, I'm going to peel back the layers to try to figure out, okay, what else can we be doing? Those have been some of my most rewarding professional opportunities when, you know, I've been able to do that and work for companies that allow that because, you know, there are companies that, you know, everything is great, making a lot of money, let's not rock the boat. And then there are other companies that are a bit more agile that appreciate, you know, someone coming in and seeing something that can be tackled and allowing you to go and tackle those things. You, uh, what I'm hearing you say is you basically have an amazing way of uh, being able to find clarity and chaos. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's, uh, that's quite an asset. That's awesome. So that's a great way to put it, Matt. <laughs> put that, put that on a tombstone or something. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. So what's, uh, what's next for you? Well, that's a great question. Um, I, you know what? I'm loving every minute of what I'm doing right now. Um, I, again, I'm always looking for different things that can be improved or worked upon. So for me, it's just continuing to go down that path, continuing to stay abreast with trends. Things in this space change daily. And that's something that, you know, we have to, we have to tell the business. Um, it's funny, I was just having this conversation about a week or so ago with my team. Um, as much as I love the structure where town acquisition sits under HR, I love it because you're surrounded by other professionals that, um, you know, when you, when you sign up for an HR gig, you typically it's people who have a passion for helping people and working with people. And, you know, some I'm, I'm surrounded about around my peeps, but the downside to that is that more the other traditional HR functions are just less innovative than TA. Yeah. And when you think through that, you know, compensation is what it is. It's, you know, benefits is what it is. Um, employee relations is very black and white. Compliance is very black and white. Training and development, um, you know, it's training. It, there might be a new technique or a new system, but for the most part, it doesn't change as much. We have to be innovative in TA. If not, you're left behind and your candidates will reflect that. So um, that's kind of the double-edged sword for me. It's just trying to convince HR leadership of why, you know, we're out here. It feels a little bit rogue, but I promise, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we understand what we're doing. So for me, it's just continuing down that path, continuing to be innovative and just bring awesome solutions um, to the companies that I'm at. I gotta say this. You make me uh, you make me fired up to even consider stepping in the talent acquisition space. It sounds super fun. So I love that. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess the the closing question I have, and I want to leave room any for any final thoughts for you too. But how can I best help? You know, um, I think your platform is amazing. Um, I love the fact that um, how what you specialize in, you're able to bring candidates and employers together. So um, I, I think just keep doing what you're doing, keep um, offering that solution for companies because you know as we're being innovative, it's solutions like this that TA professionals will be investing in to make sure that again, we're doing the best thing for um, the companies that we represent. 
Well, that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning. So thank you for that. So cool. Well, yeah, I guess I, I want to leave you any space for any closing thoughts. Um, this is uh, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. But yeah, is there anything anything you want to leave the audience with? Well, I just want to thank you, Matt. Thank you for inviting me on the show. It's been so much fun just having this conversation with you and getting to know you. Um, I just if anyone wants to reach out, I'm, I'm here as a resource. Um, I've dabbled in college recruiting and corporate recruiting and field recruiting. So in a, quite a few different industries. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Rhonda Merchant if you have anyone that wants to reach out and have a deeper discussion. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt.